With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen, along with the insane Daryl Wayne. Uh, we're going to go to, um, I don't even know where we're going to. Uh, we're going to speak with uh, Allie C. Hall and her book. Uh, it's called As Far As You Can Go Before You Have to Come Back. And uh, where where are you, uh, Allie? I forgot. I'm in Seattle. I've been in Seattle for 21 years. Oh, my so goodness. Probably, before that, You're... I was living in Asia, yeah. Where did you come from before that? Uh, before Asia, uh, well, before Seattle, I was living in Asia, and oh then before my. that, I was just a kid. You know, wherever they drug me, I went. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> well, um, enjoy the um, the fresh oysters up there in uh, Seattle. We do. We definitely do. So, tell me, the the book is is fiction. Yes. There's a lot of fact based in there. People tend to ask that because I did live in Asia, because I do practice Tai Chi. And without a doubt, the emotional experiences are mine. But once you get into writing fiction, you can't tell your story because it doesn't make sense in the way a novel will flow. I mean, things just have to happen in a certain way in a novel to create drama. And also, I wasn't interested in telling my story as nonfiction. It just never appealed to me. And it, because I'd lived in Asia, the idea of this incest survivor stealing all this money, running away to Asia, you know, going through the Lonely Planet Trail, all that just made sense as a as an immediate storyline. And it's interesting. So I never argued with it. What, uh, what did you do in Asia? Uh, I was running from the first Bush administration. Basically, we thought that was the end of times back in the 80s. And I couldn't deal with it. I was just overwhelmed with the politics of what was going to happen. And then someone told me that you could teach English in Asia and earn a decent living and then make enough money to travel around. And I thought, well, that sounds good. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to do that? So I did that, yeah. And I didn't really have any plan as to how long I would stay. I just knew it wasn't going to be a year abroad. I just didn't feel like that. So I ended up staying for three years. And you didn't uh, rush out, uh, rush back to Asia? Um, <laughs> recently? <laughs> recently, in the last couple of years? Uh, recently, I have, I have children now, and they have lives, you know, and to pick them up and move them is a big commitment. So I'm, I'm with the resistance. <laughs> I get it. 
Um, we we should point out that you're uh, recovering from knee surgery. I am. Uh, right? And you're doing great. She'll be back on her poco stick very, very soon. <laughs> well, we hope. Maybe I'll actually pick up a poco stick after That's this. A... I, I really appreciate what movement can do when you can't move. Right. Let's talk about trauma. Sure. What, what kind of trauma affected you in your life? Well, the most obvious is sexual abuse. I was sexually abused. I was groomed from the very beginning and sexually abused through my teens. Um, and with that comes a lot of emotional abuse and a lot of what I would call spiritual abuse because in that situation, your parents really replace whatever concept you have as a child of God. Um, whatever concept of God you have as a child is a better way of saying that. Uh, because parents are the most important things to a child and having had my own children they're now growing up but seeing them i can see how vulnerable they are how uh, easy it is to manipulate a child i mean it's not even manipulation it's just like parting water you know they're just <laughs> little kids so um i would call that definite spiritual abuse and that damaged me the most um in terms of long-term recovery and um, yeah and, and do you still feel the effects of that years later? I'll tell you one way I still feel the effects of it is my weight. I still struggle with weight. I definitely turned to food early on. Then in my teens, I got into bulimia and uh, what would you call it? Compulsive exercising and really was not healthy. And in my 20s, I came to a really nice, uh, through 12-step programs, a really nice non-argumentative sort of existence with food we just fed each other happily right and then after my kids were born there's having children is very triggering re-triggering for a survivor it's just everything you thought you healed <laughs> as a child is like oh no that isn't and again i turned to food so i'm still quite heavy for me we're not going to get into specific numbers but um i am definitely heavy and i definitely struggle with that daily and it is hard. Well, a dozen oysters a day are not that many calories. No, if I could live on oysters. Uh, when I eat, I eat very normally. My problem is I go off on binges, big sugar binges. Got so it. That's, that's probably the most obvious way that it affects me because you can see it. I mean, you can see on me that I am heavy, so it's, it's not a secret. I think there are times when I will get very upset with one of my children when they're doing something and I have to take a step back and realize, whoosh, this is triggering me. This has nothing to do with that child. This is triggering me around what I went through, you know? And so I learned very early on, keep 10 feet between me and any child that was bothering me. And you can't hit them that way. A lot of times people who are abused in childhood become abusers themselves because it's really that's how- yeah, they've learned that that parenting style, if you will. <laughs> right, that's one way of calling it. I think, you know what I have found to be very interesting? That with male sexual perpetrators, most of the time it is not that they were sexually abused as a child. It's that they were bullied. And because they were bullied, they ceased to have friends of their own age, peers. And so they began to have younger kids as peers. And then 
as you get older, you have sexual needs and that doesn't come out with your peers. It comes out with the younger kids. Yeah. So that my therapist told me that a couple of years ago, that one floored me. I had no idea, but certainly, you know, in terms of patterns we use, one of the most important things I found was to be able to identify clearly this is abuse. This is abuse. There are five basic forms, uh, spiritual, emotional, sexual, intellectual, and oh my god goodness i'm spacing on the last one i said physical mm. spiritual sexual emotional and physical got it when you can identify what those are they cease to become oh that's just what parents do and they become abuse and then you can say i'm not going to do that and you can really work on how not to do that so that's where i mean my therapist told me when i was pregnant 10 feet between you and any child that is pissing you off Keep that and you will not hurt a child. And that was of primary importance to me, you how know, many, that I not hurt a child. How many, you, you've mentioned kids, so you have yes. multiples. Okay. Two. I two. have two boys. One is 19, one is 16. They're both, they're just joys. They really are. I, we have, we have a little bit of teenage attitude from my younger son and uh, we have a little bit of sports guy i'm cool attitude from my older son but that's the worst it gets we do not have arguments we we are just uh i think a lot of the work i did around myself as a child came out in my parenting because i knew you can't yell at a child they're just a kid you know so i actually kept the yelling to a bare minimum as well i think i've yelled maybe five times at my kids i really wow yeah, I was, sometimes it was like, put the hand over the mouth and leave the room. I didn't yell at them. But, you know, I, I think if you, you know, if you blow your stack every once in a while and you apologize, that's not child abuse. Child abuse is regular, premeditated intent to harm and dominate, you know, through fear. Our so. guest is uh, 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 Allie uh, C. Hall. She's written a, a book. Uh, you can go how as as far as you can go before you have to come back. We're going to talk about that uh, as uh, Late Night Health continues. Join us at LateNightHealth.com, LateNightHealth.com. Don't go away. The Insane Daryl Wayne and I will be right back.
Recently, I met Jacqueline from Bright here in Los Angeles. She gave me a hearing exam and then showed me how to hear again with the new Signia Pure Series hearing aids, and she can give you your life back too. I hear birds chirping, birds cooing, and even my wife. They easily connect to my smartphone. The Signia hearing aids are amazing, and with the charge and go, I don't have to fiddle with batteries and hear all day long. Not hearing is frustrating for you and your family. I know, you don't have a problem, but trust me, call Bright here now for a free hearing exam, a $125 value, yours free, just for making an appointment now. There are offices throughout the Los Angeles area. Call Bright here now at 323-424-7100. That's 323-424-7100 for a free hearing exam. There's no obligation. Call now, 323-424-7100, or visit them on the web at brighthear.com. Late Night Health is proud of our partnership with the EBC, the Evolutionary Business Council. Check them out at ebcouncil.com. You're listening to Late Night Health with Mark Allen. The show continues in a moment. If you're listening to Late Night Health right now, you're part of the growing target of baby boomers we're serving. Hi, I'm Daryl Wayne, producer of Late Night Health, inviting you to join the Late Night Health family. If you have any business targeting the growing boomer market, Late Night Health is the ideal advertising vehicle for you. From vitamins to insurance, alternative health to Western-style medicine, Late Night Health caters to the growing population of those over 40 years old. This vibrant demographic has expendable income to fight aging, purchase travel, take care of aging parents, or just have fun. Find out about the advertising opportunities with Late Night Health. Call us at 805-391-0308. That's 805-391-0308 or email us at info at latenighthealth.com. That's info at latenighthealth.com. Join Late Night Health as we empower people to take charge of their own health care. Call now at 805-391-0308. That's 805-391-0308. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Words are a critical aspect of success. How you get your point across is a crucial part of what makes anything sell. So do it right and hire a writer. Whether it's articles, blog posts, technical writings, website content, product descriptions, or ghost writing anything from a novel to a nonfiction book about your navel, contact Servette Hassan. If you want it to sell, write it right. Email Servette at Servette at ServetteHassan.com. Late Night Health continues. I'm Mark Allen. Along with the insane Daryl Wayne, we've been talking about addiction. We've been talking about uh, uh, trauma. And now we're going to take a look uh, at Ali C. Hall's uh, book, uh, As Far As You Can Go Before You Have to Come Back. Now, when I'm thinking about that title, Ali, what I am thinking about is I'm dropping down to the to my bare nubs and I wake up one day and say I got to get back up I mean that's what's coming to to me is that what the story is about yes the uh, so it's about an incest survivor who's young she's uh, in her teens and she steals enough money from her parents to run away to Asia with that youthful thought that 
it'll all be fine now. And she realizes here I am still with me and she really, um, the addictions come right up because she's traveling in Southeast Asia and it's just marijuana and hashish and even some heroin um, that she's exposed to. And then, you know, sleeping with men who are just a disaster and continually wondering, why is this going wrong? I thought, you know, I thought I was gonna get out of this. And she really does reach her edge emotionally. And she, as you do when you travel, has a chance encounter with a really nice couple that live in Japan. They're not Japanese, one is Scottish and the other woman is Japanese American. And they say, why don't you practice Tai Chi? And then against all odds, she does, because at this point she is not a particularly likable person. She's been living this very rough, abusive lifestyle for six months now. And they live in Tokyo, so she ends up in Tokyo and uh, hangs out with this group of like an international kind of backpackery group and they practice Tai Chi and she uh, begins a long stumble toward a kind of an, uh, a balance and an acceptance of her life and what's happened to her. Do you practice or have you practiced Tai Chi? Yeah, yourself? my Tai Chi practice, um, well, I took 10 years off when I had small kids. So I would call it a 25 year practice. So I started about 35 years ago and then I just couldn't do it when I had young kids. I just could barely brush my teeth. You know, That's so what that, that, coming back to it after was just lovely. It was just, it was like, ah, oh, here we are. I know now why I like this so much. And and Tai Chi is more than just the physical aspects. Mm. There's a spiritual and an emotional aspect to Tai Chi. Did that help you? Oh, yeah, it definitely. Tai Chi as a practice gave me. This is an odd way to say it, but there were just circles in my life, redundant patterns that were unhealthy, that were bred into me, starting from when I was a child and then that I took on as a teenager, because that's what you do, and then I couldn't let go as a young adult. And Tai Chi is based on circles. If you've seen that circle with it's half black and half white, then in the middle of the black there's a white dot, in the middle of the white there's a black dot, that's called the Daiji, or the yin-yang sign is how we would think of it the yin-yang sign those and this, the movements are all based on moving in circles and replacing those literal circles physically with um positive affirmative physical things that i was doing kind of flushed out a lot of that negativity now i had to take it into the intellectual realm where i could say okay i am doing this i can do this instead let us try to do that. And that's where my 12-step program really came in. But working the two in conjunction was really kind of a, a very real but magical experience. I felt like I was a palm, closed, fist, and one finger at a time, I was allowed to have the experience that I needed next in order to open me to the next experience. Um, and the Tai Chi was just under there, just supporting me the whole way. This thing that I just did the moment I got up and then I did in the afternoon if I had enough time to do two practice sessions a day. When um, when you first started Tai Chi, did you oh. did you have some kind of spiritual connection or had that been burned Let's away? See. Uh, had that been what? Burned away? 
The spiritual connection had definitely been burned away. It is impossible to believe in God as a child when the people representing God to you are so bad. They're just bad, you know? And through a year or so of a 12-step program, I had, as they say, come to believe that there was a power greater than me. It was very unclear. And I wouldn't say I did Tai Chi and was like, ha, you know, with the, <laughs> the clouds parting. But I would say that I thought this is something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This makes such sense to me. And it felt so good. Like it physically felt good. Um, emotionally and mentally, I just felt calm, but invigorated. My fingers were kind of tingling in this like very um, alive sort of way. And I just thought, why wouldn't I do this? This felt really great. And then slowly over time, I had more of those real spiritual awarenesses where like clouds parted and I went, oh, this is wow. Uh... <laughs> would Would you say that your writing was also a spiritual connection? I mean, writing is, is lonely and you are obviously an outgoing person, but writing is lonely. Writing can be, but I really like these people that I make up. And so I have a good time with them. Also, for most of writing this, this first novel, I was working full time. And so I just had, I would come home on Friday night and write until the birds were chirping on Saturday then sleep, and then go out on Saturday night with my friends and then do Sunday things, whatever, go to laundromat, shop. And so I had a very full life. Um, and I don't, and now, like, now I write when I wake up and then my kids and my husband come home around four or five. So I don't really feel lonely when I write. Like I said, I like these per people that I make up. They're fun to hang out with. If that's not too weird. <laughs> do do you do you find that writing then is still therapeutic? Do I find that writing is therapeutic? Interesting. I tend to do the thinking and the therapizing, is that the word? <laughs> Therapeuticizing before the writing happens. It's in my funkin' wagnalls now. Is <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Um, I tend to, especially for this novel, when um, I didn't start writing this novel until I was six or seven years into hardcore recovery from my childhood trauma. It never occurred to me to write a novel. And then one day I just had the idea for a plot and I thought, oh, right, I can write a novel. That sounds interesting, having no idea what I was doing. Uh, but I think most people who write novels do tend to stumble into the first one. Uh, in that it, something has to really speak to you that you want to spend three to five years struggling with. So, so that I had done, back to the first part of the statement, that I had done all that work before sitting down to write it made the writing of it not traumatic. Um, there was a lot of joy in it, and I certainly had feelings when I was in the scenes and they were emotional, but I wasn't re-traumatized. Got it. Yeah, and I, I advocate for that, too. I think trying to make something that is art while you are just trying to make something that is you, that was not the consequence of your childhood, that's a lot to do. That's a lot to do. I think, you know, writing for yourself to heal is a great thing, but don't add that layer of expecting yourself to publish that particular work. Are that's you, a lot. Uh, 
Are you working on book number what? I am. Number two. Number two is kind of like a, um, a companion piece. So this book really looks at a young adult who's from a very difficult childhood who ends up in Asia and has a choice. Am I going to move forward toward the light or am I going to stay in the dark? And this person moves towards the light. So the next book is the person who explores the dark. Yeah, and it's intense. <laughs> Allie, thank you very much. Good luck on the book. Thank um, you. The name of the book uh, is As Far As You Can Go Before You Have to Come Back. And it's uh, uh, slated to be released in March of this year. So it's about a month and a half, two months away. And uh, we look forward to that. Listen, thank you very much. We appreciate your time, Allie. Oh, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for helping me with this. Thank you. I'm Mark Allen, along with the insane Daryl Wayne. Daryl, thank you. Very pleasure. And uh, thank you for uh, tuning in and, uh, and listening at home or in the car, wherever you listen to fine podcasts. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Have a good week. Most importantly, have a healthy week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now.